0: This is the sound of the city and South Cambridgeshire.
1: Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, I'm Trevor Dan. This is the first of three Monday evening shows where we're going to try to put the general election, you've heard of that, in context and shine a light on the issues which might influence voters in Cambridge and South Cam's. So Labour, Conservative, Lib Dem, Jeremy, Boris, Joe... Brexit, climate change, taxes, the NHS. What are people talking about in this winter election of 2019? Now, before we meet the panel, here's a useful description, I think, of where we find ourselves. It's the age of foolishness. It's the epoch of belief. It's the epoch of incredulity. It's the season of light. It's the season of darkness. It's the spring of hope. It's the winter of despair. We have everything before us. We have nothing before us. We're all going direct to heaven. We're all going direct
0: the other way. What's that from then, Mike? Well, um, it's not now as the winter of our discontent, is it, Trevor? Not quite, no, <laughs> although it nearly might
1: be. So thank you, uh, Charles Dickens, for that. <laughs> and um, let me introduce you to our panel. We have David Skinner here. He is a reader, or possibly the reader. Are you the reader or just a reader? Um. I'm a reader. Well, he's a, a reader, reader in, sociology. in sociology at Anglia Ruskin University. Mike Shallon, we've just heard from, is the business correspondent of the Cambridge Independent. And David Haig is with us as well, political commentator, also works in media sales. Now, I said we're going to talk largely about Cambridge and South Cams, but just as a kind of background thing... Does anybody want to start us off with this? What is special, do you think, about these two constituencies that makes them perhaps different at all from the national picture? Do you want to go with that, Mike? Um,
0: yes, I think I would say that uh, Cambridge is obviously a unique, uh, has a unique local economy, which uh, South Cam's um, and to some extent South East Cam's is Kind of bolted onto. It's a global hub for a whole slew of life sciences and technology businesses. We have Microsoft, Amazon, um, ARM, of course, Uh, we have AstraZeneca. Uh, incredible things can happen and have happened in Cambridge and uh, we're in a really good position in terms of the city, in terms of the business patch which I cover to to, to move ahead uh, to the, uh, the in, in, in terms of AI, in terms of, of disruptive pharma and, and being ahead of the, the healthcare curve so absolutely fascinating hub and uh, one which needs a little bit of curation and I'll be looking for those candidates that can curate um, the, the, the local economy and the local environment, in fact. David, uh,
1: where, where do you think the constituencies fit? I mean, are people around these parts talking about the same issues as people are in the northern powerhouse or in the metropolis? Uh, to some extent, but I think um,
2: following on on that theme, having been to a number of the hustings, I think a Cambridge thing is there's lots of discussion about the problems associated with growth so, perhaps in other parts of the country, they're worried about the buoyancy of the economy, bringing in investment and so on. What you have in Cambridge and South Camps is a lot of concerns about the negative side effects of growth, both in terms of development, transport. Um, there's even a worry about whether there's enough water for Cambridge. Um, so, those kind of concerns with growth, that I think, are quite specific to this area.
1: And, Dave, hey, do you think that people... Vote according to local issues or according to national issues when it
3: comes to a general election? That, that's a really difficult one to answer on. Um, you know, essentially, the UK is quite a homogenous country to an extent, but Cambridge is a fascinating constituency, um, I would say. And I think that what's often neglected is Cambridge is actually the most unequal city in the most unequal country in Europe. And the Labour message of inequality is going to resonate more in central Cambridge than some other areas. And obviously we're in this, um, you know, groundhog day of Brexit. And when you look at Cambridge with a 70, what is it, 75% uh, remain vote, um, and it's also very upmarket as well, I, th- I think that's going to play out more locally and that's going to dial up the distinctiveness that the Lib Dems have um associated themselves with. And then if you look in Cambridge South, which I think is is, is a little bit different um, to central Cambridge, but still quite upmarket, still, I guess, um, very pro-European and quite international. That's going to be interesting. But in answer to your question, I think it's yes and no. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably true of all constituencies across the country. And also you've got the rise of the independents. Which could be interesting in this election. And I think that I mean Cambridge has got what, six or seven candidates? Cambridge City's only got Cam- three, hasn't it? But oh, has it? I think I today and it's, it's got, South it's
1: got South a few it. has got a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, uh, David. Yeah, I was just going to
2: say actually it's the other way round. I mean I South Cam so, yes. is very unusual because there are only 3 candidates. Yeah, there yeah. um, this time there isn't even a green candidate in South Cam, so there're just the 3 in South Cam. But
1: yeah, Cambridge is, has 8.
3: Yeah, eight. I thought there was quite quite a few in Cambridge. Yeah.
1: Let's um we'll, we'll come on to some of these individual issues, but uh, let's just talk about having an election in the winter Mm. you know we've been told for years that you can't do this you know you you have to have elections in the spring or summer and it's you know it's bad for labor particularly because they can't get their vote out in in the evening in the darker nights Um, how do we all think the notion of a winter election is playing out let me come to you David Uh, I think I think it is a a problem
2: for the parties who rely on you know, a kind of ground game where they go out and campaign street by street and um, try to talk to voters, canvas them in other ways, because uh, you've got a very limited window in which to do that. So if you canvass at the weekend, a lot of people are out. Or you know don't don't want to get be knocked out of bed early in the morning on a Saturday, um, and if or you know, do you really want someone knocking on your door at seven o'clock at night on a on a you know early December evening? You and know, does so
1: it still matter? I mean, we're always talked to, aren't we, about door knocking, yeah. and politicians always say, well, you know, on the doorstep, I've been hearing this. Is that how politics is still working in 21st century Britain? Do you think? I think it plays a role,
2: although. If you live in um, South Kansas, as I do, you realise that the, diff- the parties have very different approaches. So um, the Lib Dems go for death by leaflet. <laughs> so I think so far I've received seven Lib Dem yeah. leaflets. Um, Labour place a great deal of faith on face-to-face. And I think the Conservatives you, are, are less convinced, I think, by either of those, those models now. Um, and a less 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 interest in the face to face, although in and it's interesting actually in Cambridge City that the Conservative candidate really isn't in, even participating in the hustings, let alone going round meeting people on a day to day basis.
1: Mike, the winter election, how's that working? Do you I, think
0: I, look. The Brexit referendum happened in 2016, Trevor. Um, you, you know, we watched as, as Parliament sort of got bogged down. It's It's been a, in, a, in a stalemate. It, it, it's It's been going nowhere. There clearly needs to be some sort of effort to break the deadlock. There was either going to be a, a second referendum, which would have been my choice, um, or, or a general election, uh, we've got a general election. I think most people accept that and and go well. Look, you know, let's we we don't really want to go through the whole Christmas and New Year period in further with further uncertainty. At least this general election is going to clarify what sort of country we want to live in. I mean, there's two very different perspectives going on now. You've, you've got a, 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 a Labour manifesto, which has promised tens of billions of spending on infrastructure, on social care, on police, on education. You've got a, a pretty threadbare um, Tory uh, manifesto, which is, is much more modest. We don't know whether there are other elements that it hasn't sort of been talking about in the manifesto. But there's two different types of Britain we've been getting towards this moment let's find out what sort of britain people want to live in i'm going to say to you though mike that we
1: might not find out at the end of this election we were told in. 2017 that we needed to have an election, rather as Edward Heath said in 1974, this is an election about who runs Britain and the answer that came back was, well you don't um, <laughs> but um, we were told in 2017 that this would put an end to the to the rancour and the, uh, uh, the constipation of
0: Parliament, we might get another hung Parliament. We might do and um, in that situation I think that the logical next step would be a second referendum Uh, So we've got to keep voting till we get it right (laughs) We've got to keep going We can't get bogged down We can't have an eternal stalemate in this country We've got to find some way of moving forward I don't think it's a question of, uh, 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 of we've got to keep going until you get the right answer. People, we live in a democracy. This is three years ago. This 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 referendum took place. We're not bound. You know, the, the, the Boris Johnson isn't bound by you know the fact that he voted down Theresa May's bill last. You, you know, earlier in the year, he doesn't give a monkey's about it. This is what democracy happens in a democracy. People are free to change their minds, and when you know when the facts change, as we you know, kind of the, the scientists. He would say, "Then my view changes, and uh, changes, and the facts have changed. The the promised land of Brexit, uh, you know, with you know tens of million easy deals, easiest deal in history." we know that was rubbish we know that other things were rubbish we know that the british public has 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 not been given the full facts about the uh, the, the russian influence in in the 2016 referendum we know lots of stuff now we know that it's not going to be easy to trade on wto terms it's going to be even if this brexit deal goes through it's going to be years before we actually are out of the european union so let's let's, let's
1: there's let another view it. of course which is that the british people in their um, ignorance or in their knowledge, voted for one thing, and some people are now saying you can't have what you voted for because you didn't really understand the question that you were being asked to answer. S- and those people may say that that's a deeply undemocratic view.
0: We've got a situation where the, the Brexit, Brexit movement, if you want, are now split down the middle. The Brexit party... Wants an, a no-deal Brexit, which uh, lots of other people who want a Brexit of some description know would be catastrophic for for the UK economy. Some Brexiters want one thing, other Brexiteers want another. So this Brexit party, by the way, th- which is polling at about three percent,
1: do we do we care about them, Dave?
3: Well, the deal recently, or it wasn't a deal. He didn't say it was a deal. The um Decision taken by the Brexit party. That's that's (laughs) the word. You've come up with the best words so far. (laughs) It's constipation and arrangement. (laughs) Both winners. The arrangement that was discussed uh, a week or two ago, that's kind of um, put an end to all of their momentum. And I think Boris Johnson has out-Brexited the Brexit party. So I think they're not going to make the impact that they were going to, but as a wider discussion point, obviously they've made a huge impact because their performance at the European elections in 2015 was the catalyst for a referendum. And then the, what did they get? 33% at the recent European elections. I think that's been the catalyst for the crystallization of the Conservative Party's strategy, which is to just talk about Brexit, talk about Brexit, talk about Brexit. So they are therefore identified as the Brexit party, as well as being the Conservative and Unionist party, of course. And what might happen, not to the same extent, but after the referendum in Scotland, then the 50%, or what was it, sorry, the 45% who voted to leave the UK then chose to identify themselves with the SNP. And they got, what was it, 55, 56 out of the 59 seats. I'm not saying that's going to happen in, in this general election, but it's definitely going to shore up that Conservative vote and I think they're going to do much better than I thought they would perhaps four to six weeks ago.
1: David, how do you think it's going to play out with the electorate in our area that the leader of the Labour Party isn't prepared to say that he's pro or anti-Brexit, that he wants to say both ideas may be valid and I'll come back to you on that one? Mm. Well, uh, I think you
2: should take the two constituencies separately so cambridge city is one of the most remain places in the uk and if you go to the hustings it's a continual argument between the two parties about who's the most remain so with the labour candidate continually pointing to his remain credentials as actually does the labour candidate in south cams um obviously the Uh, South Camps is traditionally a Conservative seat, uh, but it's 60% remain in the referendum. So then, Anthony Brown, who's the um, Conservative candidate there, has to play quite a a subtle game there uh, in terms of basically he has to sign up to the Johnson deal, but without any. You know, he will. He wants to move on as quickly as possible. Unlike the national campaign, he doesn't go Brexit, Brexit, okay, Brexit. Okay, so
1: it seems to me that that you're saying, right? We've got the Conservatives who are uh, the cake party, and we've got the Lib Dems who are the eat it party, yeah. and we've got the Labour Party who are the either cake or eat it party, depending which constituency you're in. Um, no, because actually, in
2: the cons- in the particular constituencies. That isn't the case. You could argue nationally that very much that that's the case, but I think in the constituencies you couldn't because actually both the candidates are very much on the remainder wing of the Labour Party, um, and and at points of actually, um, well, if you look at Daniel Zeichner, uh, resigned from the Shadow Cabinet on a point of principle in relation to to um, remaining. So he's pretty he, and and never. Signed up to revoke Article 50, so he's a kind of Labour Remain rebel. Um, Can I interrupt But, you but then I then think it? with the Labour, your Obviously your question not. about Labour policy is is I think it'd be really interesting to see how it plays out, um, because um, some people say it's confusing. Um, the the candidates say it, there's a great deal of clarity to it and it's a way of bringing people together in a very divided nation. But, but it will be interesting to see how it plays out here because there's, there are a lot of people who are... Brexit is their number one... Ish, num, well, stopping Brexit is their number one issue.
1: One issue I think this, this brings up is the extent to which anybody in a, local ele- in a general election votes for the candidate you know and i think we've all probably in our lifetimes voted for people we didn't like but because they represented the party that we wanted to be in government it seems to me and i don't vote in cambridge and i have met daniel zeitner and i like him personally a lot it seems to me he has a big local warmth and following Mike. would you say Mm, that's right i I think that
0: uh, you know i mean i was at hustings on on friday and he he made the the very sound point that you know you can see on his track record we there's a great lack of trust there's a you know there's there's some great the, the buffoonery of politics is 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 on display for everybody to see I mean, Daniel has played a very low-key um, but dignified role. He's contributed to the city. He's, I know, he's been a big supporter of of, of, of a lot of uh, environmental, sustainable economy initiatives. I know he's been a big for, a supporter of of Extinction Rebellion and the school strikers. He's, you know, he's 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 done a lot of good. My own feeling, Trevor, about this, you know, I think obviously there is a, a, a Lib, Lib Dem candidate. Um, I think the Lib Dems have. Mm. Uh, Kind of like made life more difficult for themselves by this revoke, revoke Article 50 uh, situation. They're completely another another whole level of, of 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 voting, which was not necessary. They've complicated their their pitch. Um, I, I would say that that that's going to make it an uphill struggle for Rod Cantrell. Um, so I, you know, my view would be that, that Daniel Zeichan would probably retain his seat. Uh, the Tory of the Conservative, of course, wasn't uh, at the hustings. What's interesting about the other seats is the psychology of the people, of the voters in those conti- constituencies. They ha- they have now seen that Brexit Party is reverse engineered into the Conservative Party and morphed the whole party into a much more Right-wing friendly, even alt-right-friendly, friendly right-friendly, Trump uh, Trump-friendly sort of organization uh, with a leader who has is known for his, uh, frankly, racist and and uh, uh, sometimes hom- um, homophobic and misogynistic. His 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 lying um, is 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 public knowledge. What are those conservatives going to do in South Cams and Southeast Cams? Are they going to say, look? You know, like, thank goodness, we, we really want Brexit to get through so much that we're prepared to put up with this sort of, this, this the, the, the way that our party has gone, the way that our party has shed, shredded its own moral and ethical standpoints, you know, g- 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 built up over many decades, if not centuries. Uh, or are they going to say, you know what, I think it's time to, we want a, a more traditional sort of conservatism, it's, it's sound on the economy, this lot don't seem to have that, so I'm not going to vote well,
1: for Well, history would tell us, wouldn't it, Dave Haig, that, we, that um, right-leaning people, conservative-leaning people who don't like their leader, will change if the leader of the Labour Party is a soft centrist. So, Tories will vote... If you know, if they feel that they they don't want John Major anymore, they will vote for a Tony Blair. But clearly, they will not vote for a Jeremy Corbyn. So, do you think the Tories, as a whole, are going to be holding their noses and saying, "Well, we don't like our lot, but we like them better than we like their lot"?
3: It's a really difficult one to answer, and I think um, historically, obviously, Labour is associated with the union movement. Um, that's less relevant and then Tony Blair modernized um politics for good really and uh, they kind of distanced themselves from that historical base and the conservative party i guess traditionally um they're the party uh, of of greater affluence perhaps uh, however you want to phrase it um and their links to business and maybe a bit it's all it's all kind of blurred now isn't it um and it's it's quite quite a complex situation you're also into um what you increasingly see uh, is retail politics, when they'll just produce their kind of list <coughs> of what's on offer, and then people can pick and choose what they like. So, party affiliation is is not as strong as it used to be, but I, I, I think it's I think it's still relevant. I'm not sure how many people will hold their nose and, and you know vote for a party that they they really really dislike. Um, But it was very, very interesting last time around. Was it, I think, 82%, 83% of the electorate went for the traditional two main parties at the start of the election, which shows you how hard things are to call um, these days. I thought we were perhaps in an era of multi-party politics. The Green Party, uh, you know, they're getting more airtime. It's not just, you know, one or two politicians that people can uh, identify. You can talk about Jonathan Bartley... um, Sean Berry as well as Caroline Lucas and obviously the Lib Dems were looking really really strong, quite peculiar why they weren't doing better but they also seem to be in a good place but as we're getting closer and cl- closer to polling day, it does seem to be that most votes are going to go for those two traditional main parties
1: I think that uh, is demonstrably that, 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 that's true what I would from the, say polls, at the moment. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, David, let
2: me come to you I think though I'd qualify that a bit locally with, with South Cam's because um, you refer to the issues about do people vote for a candidate. Well, arguably, the Conservatives have got quite a toxic candidate who's following on from Heidi Allen, who had a very different politics from him, but also perhaps maybe alienated other Conservative voters because of her sort of flip-flapping between between different positions Are you
1: accusing her of having more parties than leslie gore yeah uh, but um <laughs>
2: the issue there is i think not so much um it's that you there's a sort of battle in south cams between labour and the lib dems to claim that they're the they're the people that attack, they should be able to borrow the others votes basically well, here, here
1: we are back at that question that i asked you about cambridge central because yeah as we can see that Daniel Zeichner has a personal vote, as I think we should probably say that Julian Huppert did as well, Um, Heidi Allen had a a big personal following because it was possible uh, to be, um, you know, a a natural centre-left person and think, well, I could vote for her, Mm. actually, because she's a Remainer and all the rest of it. I think my own personal view would be if she'd stood as a Lib Dem, she would be the candidate to beat, but because she stood down, that's really opened it all up again.
2: Yeah, it has. Um, although it's, it's interesting because I would have said similarly, I would have thought it would have been a very interesting contest in South Cams if, she's, if she stood as a Lib Dem. Um, but when you talk, certainly the line from the Conservatives is that actually in some parts of the constituency, she, she was very unpopular... So maybe you know if you live in the bit of South cams that I live in, close to the, on the on the outskirts of Cambridge, perhaps. Yeah, so this is Queen Edith's where yeah, you are, yeah. And but the uh, the the line from the Conservatives is that in other perhaps more rural parts of the constituency, she was a lot less popular. And I suppose the jibe is she didn't stand because she didn't think she was going to. Going
0: to win, but I, think I that's agree. A bit unfair, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, she didn't stand because she got a lot of, uh, you know, social media hate. Her her life was made impossible. Uh, I yeah. think we should recognise that fact, and I, you know, we should identify the fact that yes, some of these people were Tory supporters. Yeah. You know, like who were p- piling opprobrium uh, 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 on her. I think it's it's a great loss mm. for politics, and yeah. it's symptomatic of the decline of of, of, of cul- 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 you know cul- our culture. Yeah. I just want to pick up a bit on the point you made earlier, though, Trevor. I mean. You're kind of presuming by saying that, you know, like, uh, clearly, you know, people have made their minds up about about Jeremy Corbyn, as if that's a given. I, I would challenge that. Remember the 2017 election? I mean, Corbyn was written off. Turned out he's quite a good campaigner.
3: He kind of pulls something out of the hat. He's He's got something. He, he's a brilliant campaigner, but he can no longer play the outsider card. I think if you look historically, um, a lot of elections are won on this concept of, of the change candidate. Jeremy Corbyn has seen off... David Cameron is seen off Theresa May, and now he's up against Boris. He is no longer... Uh, can get people to coalesce around, hey, who's this new bloke? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I thought I he fought a brilliant campaign, and he's a fantastic campaigner, but he can no longer play that card. I know he's now talking about you know a really radical set of policies but but just that concept of things being different under this new guy he's as much establishment as you know as a lot of politicians isn't it also uh, true on the front line now
1: isn't it also true that in general elections which have become as we were all saying earlier more presidential as the years have gone by that a lot of voting is about who do i not want to be prime minister. Well is what, they, what they say is voting, is isn't
3: there? When people get to the ballot box they, they think about their family and their own personal finances and that. I mean that may sound cynical but I think there's there's quite a lot of research that suggests that that, that is the decision that ultimately sways it. Um, but to to talk about the Heidi Allen um, kind of uh, issue that we we were discussing further uh, discussing earlier, I, I thought she was she was quite an interesting candidate. Really, she had a national profile, high recognition. She became quite woke, if that's the correct term, about you know food banks and Remain. So she she was reaching out of the traditional conservative party electorate. And if she could have held on to that, to go back to your point about holding their nose and brought in some of these you know other people that might not necessarily she she would have been the candidate mm. to beat. And I think in central Cambridge, the incumbent MP has a massive majority because it's a small, compact, um, you know, urban constituency, really, where people just basically have that, that geography and visibility to get around, you know, press the flesh get to know it's the it's not inaccurate. by
1: the way in terms of numbers it's not that small you know Cambridge is 74,000 and Cam- Cambridge <laughs> South is uh, 84,000 but it's 000. quite concentrated it more in compact, one
3: yeah so I, sure, I think yeah. that candidate like Julian Heppert, like Daniel Zeichner they they can build up a, a local profile and also Cambridge you know punches above its weight as a city so they can build their profile around that I think in the other constituencies that that's perhaps a little bit a little bit more challenging that that be my opinion <laughs> you mentioned mike social media mm. and we're a bit tired aren't
1: we of hearing that it's all about social media and the people who normally tell us this are people who work in old-fashioned broadcast media or as it's sometimes known anti-social media i've <laughs> um, <laughs> the... heard that
0: one before Trevor. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> bringing that on me
1: <laughs> there's, a, there's a sense i think that um, social media is a bad thing and uh, broadcast media is a good thing because it's regulated and all the rest of it. Um, the implication being that people are going to make wrong decisions because they're living in their own social media bubble, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and they're only hearing the opinions that they have elected to hear. Now, do we think that that is what's happening?
0: The, what's happening to from my point of view, is that in 2016, with the referendum, social media had a very clear influence on the outcome. The algorithms that uh, Facebook was developing, that Cambridge Analytica were developing, clearly were uh, strong enough to be able to persuade people to change their minds. But bear in mind that was under the radar. What's happening in 2019... The Tories have gone, and to some extent Labour, have gone over right over the top. They did the fake Keir Starmer video. They did the ludicrous fact-check, which Twitter allowed, which was disgraceful. They have perpetuated a, a, a new, a numerous mistruths, for instance, the 50,000 nurses we now know that consists of eighteen and a half thousand nurses that would otherwise be leaving. Uh, is, this,
1: is this social media or is this just? Social media provides a, f- a framework did.
0: for people to lie, Trevor. That's what happens. And did they never do this uh, at hustings? Un- unaccountable. Uh, of, of course, manifestos came and went, and some of them, you know, were 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 illusory. Shall we put it? But um, the ability to 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 just to trigger people's basings... Oh, like, you know, 40 hospitals. Great, I'll vote for them. That's what they're going for. And that they, that has been ramped up and is now in full public glare. And, you know, it's, it's obviously outrageous.
1: David Skinner, you've been to a few
0: hustings yeah.
1: in your time. Yeah. Do you think... That the political message we hear from candidates at the hustings, live in front of real people mm. with real eyes and ears, is somehow more genuine, more authentic, perhaps even more polite than social media. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean it's interesting you talk about Cambridge and South cams I would say there's a real difference in terms of politeness between the two constituencies. Having been to both, so the South Cambs, South Cambs <laughs> is the two I went to uh, were both excellent. I went to the one in Coton about climate, climate and uh, ecological issues and the local one in Queenies at Holmerton College. And they were both very sedate affairs. They were interesting but they were conducting a very sort of calm, deliberative experience. And the, the climate change hustings, which actually I helped to organise at Anglia, which held at Anglia Ruskin and uh, it was pretty rumbustious <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot it was a lot edgier and a lot more confrontational and, and I think there's an issue with the Hustings in terms of the format and what, what the correct format is. So um, it's hard to strike a balance between giving everyone the same chance to speak and allowing people to come back on points. So I thought sometimes with the sa- the sal cams one people got a bit of an easy ride because basically you can talk for 90 seconds you can say what you like then the next candidate says what they like if you go last no one's got any comeback on you yeah, so you don't
1: get people interrupting no, you like I'm but, just doing but
2: you do get a lot of interesting questions you <laughs> don't, don't get you, you don't yeah I I will I will shut up in a minute but you, you also get a lot more interesting questions at the Hustings, a much greater range of questions.
1: Yeah, because I, I, um, I've read a little bit in my, in my past about 19th century politics and the kind of things that people were saying at the Hustings, you know, in the year of revolutions, in, you know, the, the, the great, you know, Whig-Tory hostilities, the great Labour-liberal arguments uh, of uh, the 20th century – they were, they, you know, I think if social media had been going then, it would have been a pretty ugly place even,
3: you know, all those <laughs> years ago, Dave, don't you? Well, um, they still had tablets, did they? In <laughs> <laughs> they did. And they <laughs> had <laughs> things to throw at people. Yeah, um, possibly. But um, we do live in an echo chamber, that, that is for sure. Um, I'm no expert on algorithms, but I guess there's just reinforced bias, just continually perpetuates... Um, I don't think I even know anybody who voted leave, um, unless you want to shock me, Trevor, but <laughs> most people I encounter... I'm the independent are, <laughs> and impartial most well, hosts. I, I, like, I, I, I know people who voted leave. I don't, does that mean I don't live in an
0: echo chamber? Well, I don't think I live in an echo chamber. I just, I just maybe, think, maybe you do, I don't know, but I, mean, I don't I know people speak on everybody. of everybody. We all live in an echo chamber.
3: Well, and, and I think i think to an extent we do and i'm not sure what's the you know we've got a sociologist over mm. there, he he might be able to inform me a little bit more about that but um also i, I think on your comment about social media I, I think when the conservative party do it it's like letting your dad loose on facebook it's really embarrassing <laughs> they mm. get the tone of it right they can't do humor mm. in the way that the other parties seem to be able to it's, it's sometimes it, it's just quite shocking um and I think Labour are really, really savvy. Um, I think the momentum movement, um, you know, when we saw the rise of Corbyn, you know, they nailed the social element, uh, the social media element of that. They've got very young, digitally savvy people who are part of their campaign who absolutely know what they're doing. And if anyone is is as, as uh, boring and geeky as me, um, if you want to look at the kind of impact of um, digital media into modern electioneering, there's a brilliant film called The Great Hack, and also, there's a 30-minute clip of Dominic Cummings that you can see on YouTube talking about his digital strategy behind Vote Leave, and it's terrifying. Um, and it's also incredibly fascinating to see how how that's you know how, how that's changing politics in the modern um, context. But I'm not sure. Um, as a final one on that, that actually how much it influences the outcome. I think in 1992, with the it's the what won it um, in the John Major election. It, it, they kind of concluded sometime afterwards, like researchers and uh, pollists, that, that it wasn't that whatsoever. It was it was entirely different um, range of issues. So it's a really, really interesting topic. Um, I'm still not sure how much difference it ultimately makes.
1: This is the first of three election panels on Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm Trevor Dan. That was the voice of Dave Hague, political commentator. We've got Mike Shalom from the Cambridge Independent, we've got uh, David Skinner from AIU, who is a sociologist. Uh, I want to just broaden this out a little bit and ask you about something that I think is new in general elections, and that is anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And uh, I did a thing today, uh, which is I wrote, on a piece of, uh, what is it, Microsoft Word, mm. I wrote Islamophobia. And up came the little red lines, which means it's not a word that is recognised by Microsoft Word. There's a thing, anyway. Uh, xenophobia. Uh, the, some people call it the racist card. Or the, you know, how do we think it's playing out? I'm going to come to you, Mike.
0: It's uh, <laughs> anti-Semitism in the Labour Party is very troubling. I, my father was Jewish, and um, I've had discussions with my. Children who aren't Jewish about it, and they're very supportive of of, of, of Jeremy of Jeremy Corbyn. He's he's pers- my personal take on the situation is that it, that Jeremy Corbyn has got a problem. He's fundamentally anti-Zionist. He doesn't like the state of Israel, but he doesn't hasn't been able to say that because he would lose the Jewish or a, a, a significant portion of the Jewish vote. So he's blurred the lines. The, the Israeli, if you want. Um, Cultural machine is very sophisticated when it comes to trying to align people who are anti-Zionist as anti-Semitic, and Corbyn has fallen into that trap uh, because he and it's his own fault. He wasn't clear about the fact that he he, it, he you know he, he he deplores what's happening in Palestine quite rightly, and he he is has concerns about the way that the state of Israel is 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 conducting itself. He could have done a lot better. He's allowed it to drift, and um, you've ended up in, in, in a, in a, in a really just, nasty I'm spot. I'm just going to come in, uh, back
1: at you about Israel and the way that they can manipulate the way our politics is thought about or is considered... Are you saying that Israel might be playing the kind of games on social media that the Russian state is often accused of playing?
0: I'm, no, I'm not accusing Israel, although they do have a very sophisticated political uh, antennae, and they are very savvy about uh, making sure that people uh, are aware of, of the issues that uh, Israel faces, which everybody has a sympathy for. It's just the way that they're playing it out. What I am saying is... Is that it's 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 in the state of Israel's interest to muddy the waters between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, and because people are, are lazy, frankly, in terms of, of 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 thinking through what the issues are going that are going on here in this country, then the the the, the trap has been set. So, David Skinner, is this an issue for the
1: political parties only, or are they reflecting society? Is there more? xenophobia within society do you think?
2: Yeah I think I think obviously uh, there's been a rise in xenophobia I'd argue sort of post-economic crash really in 2008 you could argue that um, the referendum didn't help there was a migrant crisis as well so there's a whole range of different reasons why it's been ramped up and um, all the political parties are maybe Trying to manage that in different in different ways. Um, obviously, bring it back to the local election. Um, Anthony Brown in in South Cams, the Conservative candidate there, is in diff- slightly difficult position where he's you know, it's well known that in the past he's he's held and propagated quite extreme racist views, so he's trying to sort of detoxify the brand and relaunch he's himself. He's backpedalling from that. Yes, and talking Using about... The,
1: that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was
2: 17 years ago and, and, and so on, and branding himself as a one-nation Tory. And you could argue, well, it's good that, even if you might think some of these things are platitudes, that at least he's coming out with the platitudes. Uh, yeah, but I think it is is—it is a big issue and...
1: and you, what about the Islamophobia that the Tories are accused of, including by some of their own members like... Obama yeah, Sarsi. I mean, I think, you know,
2: and I, um, I it is quite striking the different level of scrutiny of Islamophobia in the Conservative Party relative to the scrutiny of um, anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, which I agree is a mess.
1: Uh, uh, by, by whom? By... Th- <coughs> The I, press? I the say, media?
2: Well, I mean, you know, we don't like, you know, I know it's a very lazy to go the press or the media, but I think... Well, it, I think I, you just
1: did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I think it probably is It is true. Um, but the, the danger is also of getting into that whataboutism, which is a bit of a curse of contemporary political discourse, isn't it? It doesn't make it the problems that... Uh, within the Labour Party. And I think it's more the botched way in which they handled the
0: accusations. There are differences there, aren't there? I mean, between the way the Labour Party is operating and the way the The, the Tory... The Conservative Party is knowingly using dog-whistle tactics to pull a certain vote from people in this country. Labour has blundered into this situation and hasn't been effective in, in, in getting its way out. It shouldn't be in that position.
1: I think we probably all know... Jewish people, particularly, you know, geographically placed in in between North London and here, who are very uncomfortable about the Labour Party, um, is that going to damage the Labour vote? Might traditional Labour supporters from that background just say, Do you know what? I support the party, but I can't vote for this and I man. think
3: Lu- Lu- Louisiana Berger will win <laughs> her seat, and that is evidence of that. It's, it's in- an incredibly peculiar phenomena that just won't go away. Um, and it was really interesting in the debates, which I found very curious, when Jeremy Corbyn said Jeffrey Epstein. He's the only person who's made that pronunciation of that surname. So... It's just, but it's kind of creating this like otherness that, and I just find it all very, very odd and and it's disturbing. And the mudslinging now, when the anti Semitism um, conversation creeps up, the Labour candidate will will talk about Islamophobia. You know, that is just incredibly um, distasteful. We don't want to go down that route. The UK's not perfect. But, and some people may disagree with me, but I think generally we're quite inclusive. We've got a, a history that we should be proud of in terms of, you know, integration... And it's just really quite upsetting that we, we seem upsetting. to be in this, this uh, it's situation. It's absolutely
0: upsetting, and it started right back when Ken Livingstone was allowed to remain a, a, a Labour Party card, card-carrying member. His, his views were odious. Uh, they were possibly criminal. Um, uh, it, you know, it's, it's shocking it wasn't stamped on there. That's why it's... I mean, Chris Williamson is, a, is, is in my book, a, 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 a deeply troubled and troubling uh, politician. He, there's no way he should be allowed but near he, the he Labour Party. you'll remember...
1: You know, Enoch Powell and various other people. You won't, I'm sure <laughs> <than> you will <laughs> Yes, um, but yeah, I think isn't, it isn't part. But, you know, it's not just uh, it's not just on the left. Yes, but you've got the, to remember that kind of kind of Enoch Powell's
0: happened. "Rivers of it's Blood" speech finished his political career. Whereas that's not the situation. Not what they thought in Northern now. Ireland
1: might. Mm. Um, okay, look, we've got 15 minutes to go, and we haven't yet talked about climate change. Now, uh, we're not going to say, uh, is there climate change or isn't there? But we are going to say, what impact is that kind of thing happening, uh, having on politics in our area? Now, you know, Cambridge is absolutely full of yeah. people who are in favour of, of, of cycling and, yes. and all those other I, environmental it's issues. It's really interesting,
2: I would say even in the space of two years between 2017 and 2019 how far climate change has come and ecological problems as well have gone up the electoral agenda nationally but particularly i think in cambridge so there were 150 people at the uh, climate hustings mm-hmm. in central cambridge and coaten village hall was full as well for the south cams one which was about about ecological issues um, and it definitely is way, way up the agenda. So here. if
1: I'm environmentally
0: mindful, yep.
1: who do I vote for?
0: Could I, 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 mean, I think because what you have to do is to answer that question, Trevor, is look at what the different parties are going to do in terms of... Uh, creating or moving towards a zero carbon society a sustainable society so the conservative party says that they uh, are aiming for 2050 to be zero carbon the uh, liberal democrats are saying 2045 and the Labour Party and the Green Party are aiming at 2030, 11 years away. Just enough time, by the way, uh, for the uh, science to, uh, that, to that we need to hold. We've got 12 years, or we, we had 12 years, I think it's probably about 10 and a half years now, to, to lower the, uh, the, the the global warming, to, to or keep it to 1.5%. But Mike,
1: in our first-past-the-post system... However mindful I am of those environmental issues, I might think, in the end, this is still a choice between these two guys who might be our Prime Minister. I could vote. Green, or I could vote, you know, uh, independent environmentalist, or I could vote for all sorts of people. But in the end, I've got to choose between Mm. these two, you know, Dave. Are are, are people
3: like that going to believe either of them? Well, if you remember when I referred earlier to how UKIP um, (coughs) changed the agenda, changed the discussion, and then the Brexit Party did the same, I know there are um, failings of the first past the post system, but. You know, you can still force that issue up the agenda. I, I don't feel that your vote is wasted. And to some extent, why the two main parties are successful is because they, particularly the Conservative Party, really, is how they can absorb um, ideas as as they catch the zeitgeist and kind of catch up with, with, you know, the rest of the country. But in these constituencies, I said at the start I was going to mention South East Cambridgeshire as well. Obviously, you know that I live there. You've got um, Pippa Haling, who's a climate change expert, And she's the Lib Dem candidate. Um, And I think there's the potential that she could do well in that seat. And I think that's going to do her no harm whatsoever to have that level of expertise. And I think it it is an issue. But I mean, to you, how Mm. much do you think green policies are going to actually change the way people vote? Because I'm not certain on that. But I, I certainly feel that candidates need to show an awareness of it, an understanding of it. And, it, and it is it's getting, getting to it's a, a point where I, I, people
0: are going are to be voting on it because they know it's, it, it's incoming. I mean, the, 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 clearly the voting age should be reduced to 16. Our democracy the, is, is kind of like teetering on the edge of being broken. We should be doing things to rectify that and, and as quickly as possible. And Getting 16-year-olds mm-hmm. to vote is, is one thing. They need to be invested in, in our future. Uh, I, do you think, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. do you think that old people... Should be
1: disenfranchised.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, my, I mean, uh, you I'm know, not... like if, if we were in the pub, Trevor, I'd say, well, look, there should be a sort of sliding <laughs> scale, yeah. you know, like after 50 or 60 or 70, you, you sort of get a half a vote, maybe, or 20 and 25%. It's an issue know, that
1: is raised, You'd, you know, that you, know, like, y- you look at the. Um, um, Conservative manifesto and the you know the triple lock and pension all this kind of stuff and you do think well they're only saying that so that mm. old people will yeah. continue to yeah but vote it's for all, them. It's, I know, know mm-hmm. you're
3: it's part in jest but it's also these policies are also to protect vulnerable pensioners and I think everyone in this room probably knows you know a, a few of those so. There is this perception sometimes, well, you know, all the money in this country is in property and pensions, but these guys have worked for a living and I don't think... Uh, you can also mm. ignore the experience when someone's lived for 75, 80, 90 years. They can, you know... It's it's, it's pretty churlish to think that their opinion, you know, isn't just as it's valuable. It's true,
1: but the... I'm putting this argument as though I'm 23, which, by the <laughs> way, I'm not. Oh. Um, but... If I were 23, I'd be thinking, "How come? What little I earn, I'm paying in tax, and my tax might go up shortly to keep
0: these, you know, old crumblies? <laughs> yeah, well, the that's... Labour Party's just, you know, forked out, you know, <laughs> tens of billions, haven't they, to sort of like make sure that pensions are it's a bit of a, a bit of a sweetener. But you're, this is yeah. sort of straying from the from the issue. I mean, uh, you know, the climate. Uh, emergency is is very real. It's it's with us, and we have very different points. They have, they're very different points of view. But I mean, the, the the gets Brexit done view is quite clearly a move to move away from EU environmental standards to uh, be able to take on board a, an, an American style model where you know it, it, workers' rights would be removed as well as as well as a lot of. Uh, research and scientific uh, um, cooperation would make us a much more isolated community, whereas, uh, you know, you do get the sense that uh, with with Labour that they are on the case. Uh, The Lib Dems are also on the case. There's other factors mixed in there. The Greens are obviously the only party that have been saying very consistently over the... You know, to some extent, they're all Johnny-come-latelys apart from the Green Party. They've been for 20 or 30 years... I would like to see a, a political system that allowed the uh, Green Party to have uh, more of a say uh, in in what happens next. Well, we had a referendum about that. With, that. Yes. And that, 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 uh, one yes, that, was, that
3: worked that well. Didn't yeah. That argument yeah. was yeah. lost. Yep. Yep. I, d- yep. I do think the Lib Dems are pretty credible when it comes to the environment. Um, and I think was it the 1990 election when there was a green surge and they got 20 percent? I think in the European elections, you know, I think I think that shifted the conversation a bit, and the Lib Dems as the third party, I feel that they. Took on and absorbed some. Of I know this isn't issues. an
0: argumentative platform, Trevor, <laughs> but I disagree quite strongly with that. 2045 is too late. That means they're not taking it seriously enough, from as far as I, I, I would say yeah. That's fine. You I, cont-
1: you continue that
0: in the uh, public house if we well? may,
2: uh, David. Go <laughs> Everyone else is down. Well, I, I I come back to something you said earlier with the oh the implication that if you were doing the mainstream big party choice you weren't making big environmental decisions because i think that is what's completely different this time you don't have to vote for a fringe party in order to make a statement about your concern about climate change and you really are the the conservatives have got these very measly targets of 2050 and they're not and they're not actually even hitting their existing targets which aren't completely inadequate so you have got a choice to vote for you know they might have different perspectives, but two, the, the two of them, two out of the three mainstream parties have, have really upped their game on this issue, and the Conservatives are doing very little on it, really, in practice. OK,
1: uh, we're, we've got five minutes left. Um, let me ask you about tactical voting, if I may. Um, let's <coughs> take South Cam's first. Assuming that you are anti-Conservative, where do you put your vote to stop the Tories uh, winning well firstly pe- it's the is curse it the-
2: of the Lib Dem bar chart this is <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, because I've got various bits of paper yeah. that came through my letterbox saying that they're winning Lib Dem's here,
2: winning here. <laughs> um, South cams to be honest is is hard to call so Labour would say they are by quite a clear margin over the last two elections the second party in South Camps. Uh, but then the Lib Dems would point to the fact that they did much better in the European elections and they did very well in the district council elections as well, so their claim is there. Um, So it's
1: a tough decision?
2: I would say it's a tough one to call. Uh, If people are interested in tactical voting, there are some fake tactical voting sites that you want to avoid that are largely funded by the Lib Dems, (laughs) but there are actual proper tactical voting websites if you do a bit of research i think it's tacticalvoting.co.uk that will give you advice about the vote and um i think i'm right in saying that the the reputable site is still saying too early to call in south cams okay they will they will look at it if you're interested in that but i have to say it is very frustrating All the all the arguing about who's you know I can understand ordinary punters being very frustrated by all the arguing about who's in the best position to take on the Tories. Yeah, but I
0: mean, if you get a situation in South Camps where the, 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 the Conservative wins because the, the Liberal, Democrat and Labour vote was split, yeah. then you're going to have a lot of people tearing their hair out yeah. and being very angry. And who do you think they're going to be angry at in that situation? I mean, I would say the Liberal Democrats are going to cop the blame for that. And what about within Cambridge
1: itself? If you are a natural Labour voter, but you don't like Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell...
0: What do you do? Vote Green, really, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be the, the logical yeah. choice. I don't think anyone... Let, let any Labour Party voter... Would want to vote conservative, and um, the Liberal Democrats, uh, you know, uh, ha- have been, like it or not, uh, a-, a tainted brush. I mean, it's well, are they tarn- are they tarnished by having been in the, uh, the yeah. coalition? Yes, I think so, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because the coalition has really damaged the Labour Liberal Democrat brand, but it hasn't. And, and austerity has <clears throat> damaged Liberal Democrats very significantly, and continues to. But it hasn't damaged the Conservative Party brand, I, you know. That's that. That's interesting. But yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that people are reluctant to trust, uh, you know, a, a, a party that's this Okay,
1: as we head towards the end, um, Dave Haig, who's going to win the general election and by how much? And I'll we'll record this obviously, and we'll
3: play yeah, it back um, in four weeks time. I I didn't even think Donald Trump would get the <laughs> candidacy for the Republican <laughs> Party. So and I also just thought remain had it in the bag so take everything that i say with a pinch of salt but the opinion polls are increasingly looking like the conservatives are gaining there are i think some of them today had them at 42 43% early 40% it's difficult but if you translate that into seats um, i'm going to say i think they'll get a majority of about 30 seats on the top side 50, but I think nationally the Conservatives will win the general election. Excellent. I think there's a
0: tsunami of change coming in this country. It's going to be reflected in the politics. I think that the Labour Party will be able to cobble together some sort of coalition government with the Scottish National Party and move things forward, albeit slowly.
1: So, and if they do that, does that mean that they'll
0: get Brexit not done? It means that I think there will never be a second referendum.
2: Okay, and... Um, David? Well, uh, probably the most respected sophologist in the country, oh, this John, is Kurt- John Curtis. Curtis his, Catoy's, or one of Curtis. Um, he, uh, his argument is it's between a Tory majority and a hung parliament. And um, I think there's still the possibility of um, an element of what happened in 2017, where as you get nearer to the polls, um, the uh, Labour start to do better and better. But I think it's really, it's really between between Hong Parliament and the Tory
3: majority. There, ha- there hasn't been like a, a big moment yet, has there? Um, when Gordon Brown let it slip. Mm. Um, <laughs> the horrid woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there just hasn't been that incident. But no. the, the the Conservative Party strategy seems to be to get Boris to say as little as possible. Gentlemen, yeah. and squeak over it the is, line. Uh, yep
1: time to uh, cease um, and to uh, continue in the pub um, it's incumbent upon me to mention all the candidates which I'm going to do now so uh, in Cambridge South uh, Anthony Brown stands for the Conservatives, Dan Grief for Labour and Ian Solom for the Liberal Democrats and in Cambridge it's uh, Jeremy Caddick, Green, Rod Cantrell for the Lib Dems, Peter Daw for the Brexit Party, Keith Garrett for Rebooting Democracy, <coughs> Miles Hurley for the Independents, uh, the Conservatives candidate is Russell Perrin, Jane Robbins for the SDP and Daniel Zeichner for Labour.
0: Cambridge 105 Radio